relax, you got nothing to lose. What do you think I'm about to show you? The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Deadly. Only a movie, you can say it again. Just wait till you see what I did at the end. The female of the species is more deadly than a male. Hello, everyone, and welcome to More Deadly, the Director's Cut, where we speak with the women-identified directors who are making the horror movies we love oh so much. More Deadly is a trans-inclusive podcast where we celebrate the work of cis and trans women, as well as the work of non-binary filmmakers who are comfortable being included in a space that centers the work of women. Joining me to talk about this amazing film and this amazing filmmaker is one of my favorite people on this entire planet like literally out of billions of people <laughs> she is like the best and that a- listen it's true though it's true it's the one and only ariel hi right back at your age <laughs> that's why i can never compliment you on a podcast because it always gets weird and then i have to cut it <laughs> <laughs> do you cut it i have before <laughs> you're like this is just awkward i know i know i i just am not good at, like it's not that i don't want compliments and it's not that i don't want the compliment to be true i just like i don't know How my instinct is just to be like no 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 that couldn't possibly tra- no, 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 i'm trash i'm garbage i'm the worst person <laughs> it's terrible i don't know i don't know if it's enculturated like it's some weird like as a woman you're not supposed to take compliments kind of like I mean, cultural thing yeah probably I don't, a big part of it i don't know i don't know if it's just a my psychology thing i don't know if it's because i was like a feral child and <laughs> never experienced love i don't know <laughs> Do I need to put my therapy hat on? (laughs) I mean, somebody does. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I love the compliments. I just don't know how to respond to them or how to believe and absorb them. But girl, how have you been? How have you been? Good. And I'm so excited to be talking about what we're talking about today. (laughs) Dude, I know. I know. Yeah, I am so excited because we got to talk to a filmmaker that. I was nervous and thrilled to speak to you because we watched the film the night before and I think we were both absolutely blown away by it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we usually do like a little communication Mm -hmm. after the fact to be like, hey, are we on the same page about this? You know, and start talking about planning and stuff like that. This time we were both like, oh my God. (laughs) <laughs> oh my god the ending oh yes. my god. <laughs> and i've seen it a couple of times now and uh it holds up if anything on a mm-hmm. second watch i feel like i had a much deeper appreciation for a lot of the things early in the film there's yeah. so many little things seated in i missed a lot of the spiders which is shocking because usually i'm on that high alert shocking. for spiders <laughs> but like there are so many fascinating aspects and places that are are you know seeded throughout the first couple of acts that really pay off in the final act so i would say not only am i going to recommend this movie i'm going to recommend you watch it at least twice and i'm also going to tell you what the movie is because i'm realizing we, helpful. we have not actually said yet and we do that way too often right yes yes <laughs> what are, what movie are we talking about today 
We are talking about Husera the Bone Woman, directed by Michelle Garza Cervera. Oh, my. When I tell you that this person belongs on your radar for, like, they are going to do amazing things and blow the heck up, I cannot overstate this. She is such a talent. She has such a unique voice. I am so excited to see everything that she does in the future. Me too. Me too. Uh, Okay. We're we're already getting into it. So let's yes. let's just go for it. Tell me about Michelle. Give me give me the bio. So Michelle Garza Cervera is a bisexual Mexico City-based director and screenwriter. She graduated from the Centro de Capitacion Cinematografica. She was awarded a scholarship to study in the United Kingdom, where she completed her MFA in film directing at Goldsmiths University of London. So she has a lot of really impressive schooling behind her. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> She has directed five short films and a few episodes of TV, but Husuera the Bone Woman is her first feature-length film. She, I know. <laughs> it's a powerful first entry. I kind of can't believe it. So she directed this film and co-wrote it with her creative partner, Abia Castillo. The film comes from a super deeply personal place for both her and her partner. The main character of the movie has an ex who was part of the punk scene. And this plot element came because it sort of happened in Michelle's own life. She credits Mm -hmm. her own involvement in punk music and that community that surrounds it for kind of opening her eyes and really broadening her worldview. So she wanted to include that as well. The film is set in Mexico city and focuses on middle-class life there because that's the world that both the director and her collaborator inhabit in their real life. And in the film, our main character, I don't want to give anything away with this too much, but our main character makes a controversial decision about motherhood. Mm -hmm. And that actually came from something that happened to a family member of the directors who kind of had made a similar choice in her own life. Uh, Michelle has said that she vaguely knew about her story when she was growing up, but when she hit her 30s, she started asking questions about her and sort of finding out all of this information inspired her to tell this story in the hopes that she could change people's perspectives. So the movie premiered at the 2022 Tribeca Film Festival, where Michelle was awarded Best New Narrative Director and got awarded the coveted Nora Ephron Prize. Mm, That's amazing and so well-deserved. Yes. Yes. It's incredible. So even though Husuera is only her first feature film, it did so well at festivals that she's already in hot demand. You will be happy to know. I am. <laughs> so normally I can just tell you about maybe one thing they're doing in the future, but she's got mm-hmm. a bunch of stuff going on. Mm-hmm. So she is currently developing a cyberpunk drama series called Lagunitas set in a fictional Mexico-U.S. border town that she is co-writing with her regular writing partner, Abia Castillo. She is also writing an English language horror film called The Tyrant Woman, which is an amazing title. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. That is set in the world of salsa dancing. Okay. Done. I'm in. Sold. (laughs) She has signed on to direct That Summer in the Dark, which is an adaptation of Argentinian author Mariana Enriquez's story from a horror short collection. Awesome. But that's not all. <laughs> she is also moving ahead with another horror project called Palizada, which she has developed through the production and distribution outfit Piano, 
which was the co-producer of that movie Triangle of Sadness that won all of those awards. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Mm -hmm. So it is going to be set in a small town in the south of Mexico and is about a grandmother and her relationship with her granddaughter. And Michelle, in an interview, said that it's like Invasion of the Body Snatcher with a very strong element of alien invasion. Oh, hell yeah. (laughs) Oh, my God. Yes, 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 yes. I don't know when any of these are coming out because they're all sort of in the works in different stages, but I'm very excited about all of them mm-hmm. and how much she's sticking with horror and other genre films. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I know she's about to get into production on something soon. Yes. Because I did ask when I met her. So for those of you who are not patrons and are not on our Discord, you might not be aware that Rachel... Got to meet the director in person when her film premiered. Can you tell everybody what you did? Sure, sure. Um, It was kind of a last minute thing that came together. But when we interviewed Michelle, which, by the way, you guys are going to love this interview. It's so good. (laughs) Not because of us, but well, not because of me. Ariel's amazing. But um, because her answers are so fantastic. But we found out that she was going to be doing a special showing of Huisera at Alamo Draft House here in San Francisco. And I was saying, you know, oh, I'm going to come. And if I do, I'll I'll wave. And then I got a surprise email where they invited, uh, they needed someone to do the Q&A for the panel and to introduce the film. And since I was local and Michelle enjoyed our interview so much, they asked me to do it. So I got to go and I got to meet her. I got to introduce the film to the audience and um, and like I said, do the Q&A afterwards. She was awesome. So of cool. <laughs> so you know those people who just have like this warm energy that like yeah. immediately you feel like you've known them forever? That's That's Michelle. Oh, that's so exciting. Lovely, smart, super generous with her time. It was so much fun to see the film in a room full of people who, you know, you could tell like they laughed at all the right places and gasped and were moved and then had really great questions after the fact. Um, It was it was a ton of fun. And something totally random happened that I was as I was introducing the film, I was looking out into the audience and I saw somebody I knew. Oh, that's crazy. Yes. So like. There's someone, it's someone from like, you know, that we guest on Bloody Good Horror uh, fairly frequently whenever they are kind enough to invite us. And there was someone who was local, does like their social media. And we keep always talking about like, we should get a beer, we should get a beer. Uh, Her name is Whitney. She's awesome. And I look in the audience and we just like made eye contact. There she was. Oh, that's so fun. (laughs) (laughs) So she snuck some photos. So there are some photos of the event on our Discord. If you're a patron, you can check those out. But overall, it was a really, it was a really great experience. And it it made me realize that Ariel, we gotta, we gotta do some more stuff, I think, in person. We're going to have to do it. Although I was absolutely terrified as someone who doesn't do a lot of public speaking. Yeah, but, but you like, should be so proud of yourself that you got up there and did that. That's amazing. In front yeah. of all these people. That's incredible. Well, I mean, it helped that I was getting to talk about something that I was actually yeah, really passionate about, which mm-hmm. is a movie that I love by a woman that I admire in the genre that I love. We started this podcast because we're super passionate about like uplifting right. <laughs> women in the horror genre. So to get to do, that's an extension of that, right? So that, that was a lot easier than like giving any other kind of speech because I got to just like really speak from the heart. Although I definitely wrote a speech and practiced it a lot and then totally forgot the end. <laughs> I was like, we're gonna improv the end. But I did, I did get some like 
white male cis voices have been dominating the horror genre for far too long. <laughs> I totally made eye contact with like the one white dude in the audience when I was saying it. <laughs> Good for you. But yeah, I think it went well and it was an no matter what, it was like an honor and a privilege to do it. Yeah, and, of course. And this yeah. is not a difficult film to champion no. to talk about. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I don't know about Absolutely you, not. but I do not feel like middling about this one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I feel very, very passionately about this yeah. movie. This is a top 10. This is this is going to be in the top 10. It's 100% going to be in my yeah. top 10. Yeah. It, it's currently riding in the number one spot. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that, that definitely helped. <laughs> All right. So enough talking about me because now I'm getting shy and embarrassed oh okay first of all spoiler warning how do we how do we handle spoilers on more deadly director's cut all right so for this one Rachel and I are going to tell you kind of our overall non-spoiler thoughts about the movie but I'm just going to give you a warning that when the interview happens we do talk about some details from the film and we also talk about the ending of the movie with the filmmaker and then when the interview's over Rachel and I are going to tell you our spoiler thoughts about some things that happen in the film. So if that bothers you, you can go ahead and watch this because it's out on VOD. Yeah, it is. And you should definitely do that. Whatever order you're going to do this in, like, yeah. <laughs> this Make is sure one you, <laughs> you should support. And we would love to see you support it right away. You know, because yes, it's going to be great. It's entertainment value. You're going to have a great time. It's worth whatever it ends up being on VOD. But also you're voting. You're saying that this art is valuable and like we live in a crappy capitalist society so like you're voting with your wallet so support this support it support it support it okay yeah all right so i'm gonna give you a synopsis there shouldn't be any major spoilers in this but if you are super super adverse and you're gonna want to watch it first go ahead and pause check it out come back but here is what this film is essentially about valeria is a young married woman living in mexico city she and her husband are trying to start a family and they are delighted to discover that it worked but soon after she learns she's pregnant she begins seeing these horrifying visions of a woman with broken bones which causes her to begin questioning maybe some of the choices about what it is that she really wants in life and uh it is very interesting <laughs> <laughs> it's really hard to say too much about it without spoiling a whole bunch of things yeah did i do okay did i avoid yeah. any any yeah. major spoilers okay mm -hmm. good because i don't want to take away from the experience like because we went in totally cold essentially right yep. i was so surprised by many elements of this film about the character herself the the themes the way that the folklore worked, uh, all of those things, I went in very, very cold and it was a very fun revelatory experience. I definitely don't want to take that away from anybody. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So let's give our, I mean, now we've kind of tipped our hand a little bit by saying it's our number one movie of the year <laughs> so far, <laughs> but let's give a light, quick review of, of the film and then we'll get into our interview with Michelle. So I, I've been running my mouth. So Ariel, why don't you tell me a little bit about your feelings about Lucero the Bone Woman? Yeah. I mean, I love this movie. I didn't expect anything when I went into it and was completely blown away over and over again with the decisions this director made. Mm -hmm. I think it's a beautiful film. It's incredibly well acted. I love what this movie had to say about motherhood and especially about societal expectations that are placed on women around motherhood. Yes. I know that we both love folk horror and mm -hmm. this is Mexican folk horror and it had 
some interesting things to do with bone cracking and rituals that were really Mm -hmm. great and super interesting. And I think one of the things I love the most about this one is without giving anything away, it's really a story about the sort of different kinds of women and the different decisions women make. And, you know, our main character is really fighting to kind of live up to the expectations of both her family and like her community. And there are other women in this story, though, for instance, her aunt, who is Mm -hmm. sort of living this kind of quote unquote spinster life. (laughs) Um, or Octavia this this woman from Valeria's past who is very modern and independent and her sister who's sort of fallen into just doing exactly what's expected to her of her around motherhood I just think it's really interesting to have all of these different perspectives and when we finally get to the ending it surprised the heck out of me. <laughs> mm-hmm. There are a mm-hmm. couple of ways that I thought the movie was going to go. I thought it was going to yep. pick one of two tracks. Nope. And it picked a third one that I mm-hmm. did not expect and was no. very pleasantly surprised that the film went in a different direction to explore motherhood in a different way and what it means to different women. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree with everything you said. This movie, it is transgressive. It is bold. Yeah. It is unapologetic in making choices that are often would villainize a character to some degree. Uh, It is beautifully acted, beautifully directed. The final act, I will not spoil anything about it, except to say that there are visual moments in that final act that will haunt me in the best way forever. Yes. (laughs) I saw things I've never seen before. I think it it does a really fascinating twist on folk horror things involving La Llorona, but also uh, Our Lady of Guadalupe. There's so many interesting cultural references in this that because it is outside of American mainstream folklore, like are immediately fresh. But on top of that, the feminist lens that are is put on it enriches it to a an entirely new level and forces you to think about things that more traditional narratives would be afraid to explore. The character of Valeria, I love her. I'm obsessed with her. She's complex. She's imperfect. She is complicated and sexual and bold and brave and also flawed. I don't know. There's so many amazing things about this film that um, I find myself thinking back on it quite a bit. I'm so, so excited for other people to check it out. I hope that you all love it as much as we did. And I can't wait to actually I'm gonna watch it a third time because I feel like <laughs> every time I watch it, I unpack new things about it. And yeah. um, I think it's definitely I- that kind of layered film for yeah. sure. And there's a queer love story in the middle of this movie mm-hmm. that I also didn't mm-hmm. know was going to be included. No. And I think that the director, the fact that she's also a co-writer, her and her writing partner did such a brilliant job with the way they threaded that into the movie. And especially yeah. how we got to see glimpses of the past that really informed who these characters were without yes. like, oh God, that dreaded heavy handed exposition. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a story that actually really reinforces some really important themes. And yeah, I love this movie. My recommendation is absolutely go check it out. Highest recommendation I can give. How about you? Yeah. Absolutely. You got to see this one. All right. Awesome. Well, on that note, what do you say we get into our interview with Michelle Garza Cerrera? Yeah. 
Oh, Michelle, it is so nice to meet you. I am so excited to talk to you today and to talk about this film, which I, when the credits rolled, I'm not kidding. My jaw was like, I could not <laughs> like believe. <that>. Yeah, <laughs> we were so believe. impressed. And we were immediately like in our chat talking about what we thought about the ending. <laughs> <laughs> so, no, like, where, where did you watch it, guys? Uh, we got screeners of it. I wish okay, I could have seen this at a cool. festival because I yeah. can't even imagine what the energy in the room must have been like when the credits rolled with a group of people. Um, yeah. and obviously, congratulations on the Nora Ephron Award at Tribeca. That's incredible. I would love to know how that moment felt for you as well as, you know, how you're feeling now that a whole audience of people is going to get to see it. Yeah, I mean, like, honestly, the Nora Ephron moment was like a crazy moment in my life like I was like I, my brain was not understanding what was going on because <laughs> I was like, filming a tv series in Tijuana and then they flew me to the award ceremony and I was expecting just to win one award and, and I was I had already picked the best new narrative director award and I was downstairs like in the picture area and then like the one of the juries for that award was like holding my hands and he was like hey focus they're calling you they're calling you back and I was like what like I have no idea. I, it was crazy. I can't believe that happened. And and yeah, like like it, it was it was beautiful, really. It was a great moment. I'm very I was very happy and proud for the whole team. Like it's very and it really helps out the film. Like it really helped out for it to have like a you know to reach more audiences. So that's that's yeah. why I'm very grateful for those kind of awards. And uh, yeah. I'm feeling very excited about the release. I really feel like I'm letting it the you know like it go like after so many years like like it's now I do feel like it's a moment to like it's gonna belong to the audience you know and I'm and, and it, I mean it's always gonna be like and it's funny to say that word but it's, it's always gonna be my baby we set up but I feel like <laughs> I do feel like it's like now like the baby the one flying away and and I'm very happy and I, I do I'm I'm waiting to see how it's gonna be the reception I hope good Oh, I think yeah. it's going to be good. <laughs> I mean, I think so. Yeah, we we enjoyed it so much and we're so moved by so many parts of your film. And what I really enjoy, too, is that it's a super unique take on motherhood horror, you know, especially because I think you focus a lot on the time before she actually has the baby. So on the one hand, she's trying so hard to get pregnant, but there are these moments where she sees the face of a child making a face at her and she almost looks disgusted by it, or she's disappointed that she has to turn her beautiful studio workshop into a nursery. Relatable. Or even, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or even when her husband talks about hurting the baby during sex and she says it's not a baby yet. These were all moments that really resonated with me. And I was wondering what you were trying to say about maternal ambivalence or the fact that she may be even making the choice to be married to have a baby just to please her family and not really about what she wants you know yes exactly like like of course like the I wanted to be of course about motherhood but it's really about social expectations and how we destine our life to fill boxes that or what people other people expect from us and not really hearing like what's up with me like am I really analyzing this you know and and I feel like that I find that very terrifying like in in a way like to in, in our way to try to reach happiness or what is supposed to be happiness, you, we buy these packages of things or, or concept or a, like, a, like a certain kind of life that we never go to the process of analyzing if that's exactly what you want, you know? And I feel like when you find yourself locked there, it can really be terrifying moment in, a, in the life of a woman, especially when she's already 
got gotten in the process of having a baby so it's like the last step of you know of like this new life and th that it does come a lot with sacrifices of of your identity and it comes with a big deal of loss of identity because the immediate immediate moment that a woman becomes pregnant there's like a the, the, like like her herself as a person her, her identity i feel like it kind of goes backwards you know like there's like another thing that is a facade like of a pregnant woman and the expectations that come with that that even like they there's like assumed sacrifice that a woman has to do when she's taking that decision like, and and that's why we took the decision of like in this movie the camera stays with her like it's about her and what she's going through and what she's losing through this process and yeah. Well, in real life, like when there's a baby, like the the focus, the whole focus is in the in the newcomer. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And I think identity is one of the themes throughout this that I found so fascinating. Like I was totally caught off guard by the queer as uh, identity aspects of it. You know that what you realize that she's giving up is not not the kind only the kind of things that you give up when you decide to start a family but like something that is very integral to who she is because like you said societal impacts and and so i loved that story i was moved by it um i thought it was beautiful and the scenes between her and octavia were so like shot so beautifully and erotically can you talk a little bit about your decision to include that aspect in the story you know to me it was very important like because, for example, in narratives like Frankenstein, like we see a flawed character, like a monster that feels alone, and the only thing that they want is to have a partner, someone to share uh, these yeah. feelings, you know. And to me, in Wesera, it was very important to give Valeria these blankets and these characters that surround her that are kind of like there for her, you know, and that they're gonna yeah. hold her, and they and they represent that there are other ways, you know, to live this life. Yeah. Uh, and, I, and I find that charged with freedom, you know, because queerness, I feel like it really comes with the, it's just a question mark. Like, it's like, mm -hmm. you don't know what the path, but there's like another path, which, which it doesn't have a slogan, it doesn't have a name, and that's that's charged with freedom. It's also uncertainty, and it's always scary. Because it's like, what does that mean in my life? Like, how do I want to build a family? How do I want to build a home if I want a home? Or like, but you don't have a marked path if you take it. But you can see there's other people already there that are okay, that they already went to break down and, to, and, and you know, to that, those, those hells that can, that can imply, you know, going through those processes of going out of the box. And they're there and they're going to be like, you're going to be fine. I'm hearing the other side and you're going to be fine. And I feel like that's, a, that's, that's something that to me, it's charged with hope. And I wanted to give that to, to the character of Valeria. Oh, I love that. I really I love, love that. that. Especially because you really do see the contrast between the way Octavia is living her life and the way Valeria is living her life and the different choices they've made and how happy they are with those choices. I think that's really powerful. You know, we really love maternal horror. So this is like right up our alley. We also love folk horror. So when you yes. combine them, it was like <laughs> yeah. peanut butter and chocolate. You know, just yes. So, can you talk a little bit about the inspiration for the folk horror aspects in your movie? Especially, I was fascinated by the bone cracking and that ritual that happens at the end of the film. Of course. Uh, so, The Legend of La Huesera is really very far away from the film itself now. But not really. I mean, like, the, I don't know if you know The Legend, but The Legend speaks about an elder woman that in the border desert uh, between Mexico right. and the U.S. She... Um, 
digs out bones from the desert and puts together a skeleton and through a ritual uh, she gives life to this animal that is like a wolf that when it runs away, you can see the figure of a woman like running free, free in the desert. So it really speaks about like finding those pieces of yourself through a painful and exhausting process, you know, and then through, through a ritual to set those pieces free, you know. So it's kind of, it really speaks about like having um, the willing to see those aspects of yourself that you don't want to accept or that are very hard to reach, you know, and I feel like it was very cinematic to really keep that as bones, you know, because it's really like a, our most profound part of our bodies. And I feel like, and I feel like building a horror entity that breaks down the body of a woman to tell her something about herself. It was very perfect for a horror film. So when I, when the moment where I, I feel like it took years for this to cook, like from the concept of the legend to the to the script, but then it complete, it kind of like started answered. The, its own questions that the, the the script you know like once we set up the rules and the path of Valeria we were like building everything to work for her particular process and um, and we knew that we really wanted to portray a very um, extended or like a like a like a big palette of ways of being a woman in a city like Mexico Mexico City you know like there's many ways like there's they, they kind of want to lock us up between like the good or bad woman. And he's like, yeah. oh, come on, like you're way much more than that. Like there's so many thousands of ways, you know, and we're really worried to portray that. And to me, that comes also with characters like the aunt and the shamans in the film. But to me, they really represent the kind of women that have gone through hell and they have gone through breaking down process. And now they they know how to build themselves back, you know? And and to me, that really has to do with witchcraft and, and like the, the concept of witches, you know, like they, they are intimidating, like the people that have, that, you know, it's like the Kintsugi glasses, you know, like they are fixed already with gold in a way. And I feel like I, I, I have those kind of characters in my life. I feel very lucky to have those like um, people I admire or that I, I, I feel like they grab my hand to go through difficult processes of, of, of accepting or, or, think, or seeing things of myself that, are, pain, are painful, you know, but I feel like th those kind of characters in my life, to me, they, they were amazing to be represented by these shamans that yeah. that all the shamanism aspects in Wesera, I really investigated, we went to rituals, I have a aunt myself that uh, she she practices that uh, that kind of traditions, so I feel like I, I did brought a lot of the real rules of those worlds, like there's so many in the ritual that is real, uh, but then I also made it work particularly for the story and for La Huesera itself, that it was particular to to the film. Oh, I love it. I mean, so there's cool. so many powerful women in this movie. Of course, I'm responding very, very strongly to that. And I love and appreciate it so much. You know, as queer people, we're constantly seeking representation and to see ourselves reflected. And it speaks to the the variety of characters that you present here, which is so cool. But you, unlike me, you're in a position where you can actually manifest that. You can create those characters. You can create that representation. And I wonder if that's any part of you, if that's like, um, if that drives you creatively at all, or if it's something you think about. Of course. I mean, for example, like the character of the aunt. I mean, like, mm -hmm. I don't know in the U.S., but in Mexico, we have so installed the concept of the spinster, like, a woman, you know, like the one that ended up alone and her life is miserable. That's a terrible and very toxic representation of women that yeah. it really comes from films and, and telenovelas and like it's very installed. And it actually feels like it, it, it agitates every family. 
And we were like, okay, no, 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 no. We have to speak about those characters and break that thing down. It's toxic and it's terrible. Like it's a, it's a terrible expectation. Like if you don't follow the classic path of domesticity, then you're going to be a flawed and lonely woman that is going to end up alone. You know, like it's a, it's a horrible thing. And it's part of what terrifies us a lot also. So we were like, okay, this woman, like, how do we present her? And how do we see, like, she actually holds our personal life, you know, that is very rich and, and very complex, you know? So that's, that, that's an example of how, like, to me, was su such a powerful thing to add queerness to a character that people expect her to be just one way, and which is, like, flawed and or unhappy, you know? Mm -hmm. And, and so, like, no, actually, if you expect more of that, it's way much more freedom charged than all the other boxes, like the ones that are like really trying to go with the box, you know? And I feel like that, that I'm trying to put that as an example, but I feel like it's it's really, as you say, like being a film director, I, I, I do feel like that I have a power and I'm very privileged to have the chance to create a film because films in two hours, they reach a lot of people. And, and I yeah. feel like we, we really have to work on and breaking those like installed concepts of, of what are we supposed to be right and mm -hmm. so thank you thank you for that <laughs> oh yeah absolutely and i that's a great answer I, i'm always fascinated by that because you know what i i know what i want but you can actually do it and that's that's very very cool thanks so much yeah, I mean, I think what's so great is that it does so much to dismantle those societal expectations. And I think women of all ages can understand and like really empathize and feel that in the character because it's something we've all probably experienced at one point or another, you know. I also felt like your movie was talking about how much bodily autonomy you lose when you have a baby. Valeria goes through so much, right? When she's pregnant, she can't keep food down. Her husband won't have sex with her because he's afraid of hurting the baby. Her body is like torn apart to the point of needing stitches while giving birth. And the sex scene between the two women really felt like a counterpoint to all of that, that Valeria was reclaiming her body for herself. Can you talk a little bit about that? I love how you mentioned that because we actually build a character. So she, she, uh, Valeria's body holds like the seed of La Huesera. So she has this anxiety issue, no, of, of cracking her bones, you know? And, mm -hmm. and that is something that everyone in her family, like her husband and her mom, they all try to stop that from her. Like, stop that, stop that. They, like, they, they have like this, they in, immediately, connect this this bodily aspect of Valeria to a bad thing that she has to control. And the Octavia is the only one that not only is okay with it, but she gives her pleasure with that. So it's like yeah. these things that we sometimes we, we hurt ourselves with and then like having these loving people that are like, they understand that thing of yourself and even like the manages to change it in a way, but from another completely world, you know, aspect of way to deal with it. And I, honestly, like also, uh, Octavia's world is built like it's supposed to be like the dark world, you know, like like old like punk and she dresses in dark clothing and all that. But like there's freedom there. There's something that there's like we have many rules like we're trying to break down like the concept of like dark is like oppressive. It's like no, in the case of Wesera for us, it was like that dark world is actually where she feels more liberated. While in the home, like every every color was pastel and very pretty, and it was supposed to be this yeah. harmonious domestic life. That's where the horror inhabits. Like that, that's where the horror lives. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I hope that answers the question. Sorry, I feel like I navigated. No, no, no. <laughs> no that was great. Great. That was great. I know we're getting close to the end of our time, and we have so many questions for you. But 
I'm just going to cheat and skip right to the end because I have to talk about this ending. I think it's so unexpected. I, you think there's two ways this can end. And it turns out, no, there's actually a much more interesting third way. And it's it blew me away. I, I think it's so gutsy. Um, I don't think I've ever seen anything quite like it before. Can you talk a little bit about what made you make that choice and how, what you kind of maybe hope audiences will take away from, from uh, Valeria's choice? <laughs> Thank you. I mean, honestly, like, uh, we started from the ending in Becerra. I knew that's, I, I, that's where it started. This project started with the... I knew I wanted to create a character which with we who could empathize, like that create empathy, that take that decision, you know. And I feel like because that's the kind of decisions, you know, that, that's like the like the last moment, you know, of like taking like I mean, what I'm trying to say is like there's so many thoughts and feelings that women go through uh, regarding motherhood and domesticity that yeah. can relate to that ending. You know, in the case of the film, it's, it's like I'm taking her to the last point of that. But there's these things exist and we have to give them space to exist. And that, to me, it was very important to create a film that portrayed a character like this. Because I, in the case of my house, like there was a character like that in my family that her she was erased from the family history and she deserved that space, you know, even though and and I and I feel like if we give space to that kind of thoughts and feelings um, or persons, there's gonna be a negotiation of starting to build new ways of relationship within families and people. And I think like we, we that's why it was very important for me to give uh, light to a character like this. And so that's why that the ending was really very important. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I feel yeah. like sometimes people will play with those ideas, but they don't have they don't follow through. You know, like they don't have the guts to just like, you know what, this is the path and to present it in a way that it's not super stigmatizing. Like you see on her face that she's made a choice that's good for her. I don't know. I just loved it. I just thought it was amazing. <laughs> so much. Yeah. yeah, it was, it was amazing and it felt really revolutionary. Thank you. I have to say that that was the most difficult scene for the actors, of course, like because it, it's tough. It's very bittersweet. And I wanted it to feel like like the song and the end, like it's really a little bit melancholy uh, in a way because, but it's liberating too. And uh, that tone was very hard to reach. Well, you oh, nailed sure. it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> for me. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I know we only have a minute left, but I just wanted to ask oh, you. It's so great to talk to you. <laughs> We've been loving this. Yes. But, uh, for our podcast, we speak with a lot of women-identified directors, and so many of them in interviews have talked about the challenges that they face in the film business. Have you found that being a woman has presented unique challenges, or do you think that's something that's maybe changing lately? You know what I feel like what I learned throughout those all those years to to that I've been I mean it's not so much but I've been more than ten years maybe at, like doing short films and all is that you have to build your own world like you have to pick your team like you can do the the things that you can do your films in this way like you know like so many of the people involved in Western art are queer folks or uh, so many of the heads were women and uh, I mean like there's there's you have to build your community and you have to bring the right people to the project that are really believing in it, that really passionate. Because yes, as a woman, you know, like there's a lot of work behind convincing someone that really doesn't understand you to work passionately for a film. So 
that process of convincing someone that like that doesn't even understand that is a lot of work. It's like it's, it's like double work because then you have to convince a person that this is that this is worth it. But then at the same time, uh, after that, when you're when that person is finally convinced, you still have to do all the other work for the film. You know, so you rather just like surround yourself and find the right people that are already having the same investigations and passions as you, like curiosities. You know, and I and I found like. My team is like the, so many of the heads uh, of departments so behind the camera and in front of camera have conflicts within their lives and themselves that have to do with the film itself. And that's why it came out so well. So I think like to me, Guesera proved me that I can do films the way I want to. And because I, for many years, people were like, no, but this is how the industry is and you have to be to adjust to this. And I was like, well, no, I don't want to adjust to that. I, to <laughs> I love that. I love that. That's perfect. And it fits perfectly within sort of the thematic stuff that you touch on in this film. <laughs> Thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. This has been so much fun. I want to say again how much I loved your film and I appreciate how generous you've been with your time uh, talking about it with us. And thank we cannot so wait much. to see whatever you do next. <laughs> oh, my God, thank you so much. It was an amazing conversation and really so much. And thanks so much for the space. Yeah, absolutely. Anytime. Anytime. <laughs> All right. So that was our chat with Michelle. Um, can I, have I mentioned how much I enjoy her and her work? <laughs> Has it come up at all? <laughs> yeah, she's just such a talent. And the way that she talked about her movie really moved me. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I appreciate how she's exploring the ideas of maternal ambivalence in a way that is totally honest and yet I'm realizing nobody quite was was quite brave enough to go all the way with it yeah. usually there's postpartum psychosis those are kind of the sort of validation or like get out of jail free to say that there's like a psychological reason why someone would reject their child right oh um, I see what you're saying mm -hmm. whereas sure. in this one it's like not only does she make that choice completely of her own free will, but there is a sense of hope at the end. Um, I just think that's so transgressive and yet so bold and so honest. I don't know. I just love it. I can't get over how good the ending of this movie is. <laughs> yeah, it was super unexpected because you're right. I think a lot of movies um, have a tendency to pull the punch at that last moment. And we need those different perspectives on what motherhood is like and how women you know, go through that. But I think this was a very different take and I didn't expect the filmmaker to go there. And yeah. I really like the way that she talked about the different types of women and how different Octavia and Valeria were and how she represented that in the film. And, mm -hmm. and also the fact that she always knew that was going to be the ending. Yeah. And that was kind of a revelation for me that they, it didn't, they didn't get there as they felt more comfortable with the script, but that that was always the intention. Right. Well, I mean, it, what's so interesting is like you said in the beginning, like you hinted at the fact that, you know, this, there's some family history around this that she was unpacking. And so she started from a place of empathy on yeah. sort of a plot beat that would typically never be treated that way. Right. And to work back from that meant crafting a character that you, you know, had a lot of connect, like you, you had to connect with and have a lot of empathy for. And I think that's part of what makes Valeria so such a powerful character right because at the end of the day the most important thing is that you understand her and her choice even if it's not a choice you would make 
you right. can be on board and support that choice. And then that opens up an opportunity for empathy and a, for a, a something that would typically be so villainizing, especially for a woman to not, you know, want her child. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, I think it also is especially impactful in this post-Roe world, you know, like to tell these kinds of of stories and that the narratives around motherhood are far more complicated than, than what we're comfortable saying they are. Right. I mean, I think the way that we talk about it so much is completely black and white. And here she did something really different where she, Mm -hmm. she showed, you know, different types of motherhood. And she also showed a character that is deeply flawed, but also has a humanity to her and is making Mm -hmm. these decisions based on, you know, finally kind of living her own truth. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. (sighs) There's a lot of spiders in this movie, but I was okay. (laughs) Speaking of which, those final scenes with the Brujas where she goes into that forest and like they're, it's like bodies that become almost yeah, like arachnid. Tangle. Yes, it's uh, like it's like arachnid orgy. Yes. It's amazing. It's, it's so amazing. Cool. And then I love the shrouding of of the maternal figure in the baby blanket, like an oversized baby blanket. All of that stuff is just mwah, so good. Yeah, you know what I also really liked that she said in the interview was her advice to filmmakers where she said to create your own community to work with. Mm -hmm. You're not necessarily going to get everything from the higher ups or like the people with money, like create your own community to work with. I think that's so smart if you can pull it off. Yeah, I mean, she's if this comes back to a theme that we always sort of we discover every single time we do one of these is just how inspirational and badass these women are Yeah, to take their art and to, cause it like film is art meets business, right? Yeah. You know, like you and I can craft in our living room. The price point is very low. We can make our art. There is a machine that has to be turned on and money has to be fed into it in order for this art to be made. And to do that, you have to have such a vision and tenacity. And so I'm always so, so inspired by these women. And this is yet another example of a woman who's just like really done something incredible. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. Yeah. I like this movie. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> All right. Any other thoughts before we wrap it up? No. All right. Great. Well, in that case, Everyone, like we said, this is a great film. It is available now on Video On Demand. So go rent it. If you don't know where, guess what? We can help you with that. Just go to zombiegirls.com, check out our Video On Demand and streaming calendar, and then click on Hui Sarah, and it'll take you right to where you can rent it. If you want to get in touch with us, maybe you watch this movie and you also need to process your feelings. You can always drop us a line at rachel at zombiegirls.com. That's G-R-R-L-Z.com. Or you can come chat with us over on the Zombie Girls Facebook page. Or you can always uh, slide into the DMs at ZG Podcast. That's ZG Podcast with an S at the end on Instagram and Twitter. And if you're enjoying the show, we do ask you to do us a, a little favor and leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you're getting your pods. It really helps the show. Um, I've already made my plea, so I won't do that again. And uh, you can always join our Patreon if you would like to support us uh, at patreon.com forward slash zombie girls, where you get bonus episodes, extended episodes, zombie bites, which are our live review videos that you can check out, as well as the best perk of them all. You get to join our Discord and hang out with us and occasionally maybe even see me uh, 
uh, the Alamo Draft House. As long as I'm not saying, you know, it has been known <laughs> you don't to happen. Miss that. Yeah, or maybe you do. I don't know. Oh my gosh, <laughs> so close. <laughs> <laughs> maybe someday. Maybe tw- that'll be my my uh, plan for 2024. Learn to take a compliment. Okay. All right. <laughs> so that is it for my spiel, Ariel. You want to go ahead and take us out? Yeah, thank you everybody for listening to another episode of More Deadly Directors Cut. We had such an amazing time interviewing Michelle Garza Cervera. She was amazing. This film is amazing. Please go watch it. And we'll be back next time, hopefully, with another great interview with another woman director. Bye, everybody. Bye, everybody. Thanks to everyone for listening. And thanks to my co-host, Ariel, who's always willing to come on here and geek out about horror with me. And finally, thanks to the women who make the horror films we love so much. Production of this episode was done by yours truly. Editing was done by Ariel Messman-Rucker. And our theme song, More Deadly, was by Elizabeth Kyle and Eric Neal.